Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 43. Today, Pippin and I discuss what we've been up to, what backpress is, and whether or not it should be killed. But first... This episode is sponsored by DreamPress 2, DreamHost's new managed WordPress hosting platform. I wanted to learn more about the HHVM part of the platform, so I reached out to Mike Schroeder over at DreamHost. I'm Mike Schroeder, and I'm the WordPress platform lead at DreamHost. So what is HHVM? HHVM is an alternative PHP uh, runtime that was created over at Facebook. Essentially, they found that the, the current PHP was not, was not performant enough for their needs and went and developed another way to run PHP. So how performant is it? It's sometimes not quite as fast uh, with the first page view, but what it does really well is that once a, a particular page has been visited, it is astoundingly quicker than, than, than PHP. Um, and some of our tests under load, it even performed comparably to uh, cached hits, so around 55 milliseconds in some cases, under, under heavy load uh, for, with load stress for a page to get returned, which is, uh, especially under load, astoundingly quick. I mean, that's, in some cases, 25% of the, of the speed of a, of a normal page view for PHP for some, for some heavier pages. Cool. So how do I turn it on in DreamPress 2? Within the DreamHost panel, it's a checkbox that allows you to enable HHVM, and you can use the same checkbox, and you can disable it whenever you want uh, to play with it. Hmm, seems too easy. Is there anything else you need to do? Well, I mean, of course you'd want to test your site in between, but it really is that easy to enable and disable. So there's no, like, wp-config.php stuff that you have to uh, switch on and off or, or change in there or anything like that? Not at all. Okay, so then why wouldn't I just leave it on all the time? HHVM is not compatible with all plugins and themes. It's compatible with many plugins and themes, and it's uh, quite compatible with Core. So there you have it, folks. With DreamPress 2, you can turn on HHVM, test your site. If anything's broken, just turn it off again. That easy. For more information about DreamPress 2, check out dreamhost.com applyfilters. Now, back to our show. All right. Now, before we dive in, we actually want to read a quick review that we got from iTunes from Scott Fennell. It was a really great review that just kind of helps validate what we do uh, and why we put together this podcast. So we want to go and read it. Uh, Scott says, I really like Apply Filters. Obviously, this is a great resource for staying up to speed with best practices. But where these guys really shine is when they talk in very realistic terms about life as a developer and businessman. And sometimes those realities take precedence over, say, WordPress trailing comma standards. I also enjoy the friendly and humorous tone of this program. Awesome. Scott, I love that that's what you find important because I think as as we all grow as developers, we realize that there's a lot of things that are more important than how you place your commas or the standards that you choose to enforce or not. While those things are all very, very important, uh, I think there's more. And so it's nice to see that recognized. And thank you for the kind words. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And if anyone else uh, leaves us a an iTunes review, Pippin, I think you'll still review their plugin, right? Is yep. that still... all, all I ask is just if you leave a review, just let me know you did. And then send me an email or on Twitter just, just so that I know that uh, you have a plugin to look at. For sure. Awesome. 
All right. So let's dive in here. Before we get to back press, which has been an, a fun topic over the last uh, week or so, Brad, what have you been up to? A couple of weeks ago, we released uh, the free version of Migrate DB. We have a staggered release cycle now. So we, we released that free version and then kind of give it a couple of weeks and then the pro version. Then we released the pro version and we just released the pro version today. So Migrate DB Pro 1.5 uh, with the multi site tools add on. So awesome. we're pretty excited about that. It's, <laughs> believe it or not, been eight months since we started that release. Crazy. That's a long time. So aside from the multi-site tools add-on, what else is new? What major things are in 1.5? I see your change log is like 30, 40 lines long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the things that we've added is, I think I mentioned on the show before, we're adding a, a delay between requests slider so you can kind of slow down the migrations so that web hosts don't uh see the requests or identify the requests as uh, malicious because they're so close together. So, so that'll help a lot, you know, quite a few of our customers avoid that problem. We've added an export subcommand for WPCLI. So you can, from the command line, export an SQL file, you know, so that you can import it somewhere else using PHP MyAdmin or whatever. So that's pretty, pretty neat. And uh, we just made a lot of, most of the work was really on like the invisible stuff, you know, <laughs> like under the hood stuff. We did some sessions. So, so we, I guess that's what I'd call them is sessions. Like we had a lot of data that we were passing through each HTTP request. So we just pass it from like the Ajax request. Like, so from the JavaScript, we'd pass a lot of the data through to the server every time for every request. So we instead store that in a lot of that data in the database now and then just use an ID to reference it. So we're not passing so much over the wire each time. So just kind of clean up stuff like that that also improves security, reliability and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just uh, just a lot of a lot of little things that added up. Um, well, very cool. So yeah. that that got pushed out today, right? Yeah, that got pushed out today. And the multi-site tools add-on was was pretty tricky to build as well. Uh, well, I imagine. I mean, getting things in and out of multi-site is not the simplest process. Yeah, exactly. If you've ever if you've ever tried to move a multi-site yourself. Yeah. My favorite is trying to change a URL on a multi-site. For whatever reason, it is ridiculously difficult. Yeah, well, there's a lot of places where you can screw things up if you don't change it. So. Yeah, and if you don't change it, uh, there's one place where if you don't change it right, it actually fatal errors and you can't connect to your database anymore. Whereas awesome. other places will just cause like four or four errors. Awesome. Multi-site's a whole fun can of worms. Yeah. So anyway, okay, cool. So you got uh, WP MigraDB Pro 1.5 pushed out with multi-site tools add-on. Yeah. What else have you been up to? I wrote a blog post about our uh, retreat, our company retreat in Miami. So kind of got to reflect on on it a bit more in depth and, and write, pump out a blog post about about how it went and, and what we learned and that kind of stuff. Ian actually posted a, a really cool article this week. Um, have you ever used the extended CPTs library? I haven't, but I'm kind of intrigued by it after it's, reading your, the article on it. Yeah, it's John John Blackburn's. It's a, not. A, I was. I want to call it a plugin all the time, <laughs> but it's not. It's a library, a WordPress library. Mm-hmm. 
that you would use like in your plugin or whatever. And it just makes creating custom post types and custom taxonomies as well. He's got a taxonomies library as well. It just makes it way easier to to manage. But uh, that's that's worth checking out that article. Um, yeah, definitely. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, we've been talking about switching up our core contrib day, uh, or you know where we as a team contribute to WordPress core for one day a month. And it, we just kind of it, we've kind of been postponing it a lot and just and doing it, but not really enjoying it all that much. Um, uh-huh. And I, I, there's a lot of reasons for that. But the, probably the biggest thing is just you just can't get that much done in a day. So there's really very little satisfaction after the, <laughs> that one day. It's kind Have of you guys a, considered doing it more often, but a shorter amount of time. Yeah. So we we kind of started to. The, flush out is is that we want to work on on glot press actually because that's something we use a lot as well and that d- seems to need a lot more attention than wordpress core needs right now mm-hmm. so we're, we're going to try that for a little bit uh but at the same time we want to keep an eye on the responsive image stuff that's going on sure because that's really interested in that but it's really early days uh, for right. that stuff. You could say as a company, we're going to focus here where not only does it benefit other people, but we also have more benefit from it. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to fo- you're not going to still contribute elsewhere. That's just not necessarily where the, the focus is. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think GlotPress will allow us to, working on GlotPress will allow us to have a little bit more satisfaction in the run of a day, I think, because it's... It's it makes a, your job easier. Yeah, and there's a lot, you know, some of the problems with working on WordPress core is that a lot of like the tickets that are manageable to get done in in a short period of time are taken. Like someone else is working on them, right? Um, and so you spend a lot of time actually going through track during the day, trying to catch up on things and and try to find where you can actually contribute. Whereas GlotPress is not quite so active of a project. And like I said, it needs a lot of, you know, it could use a lot more resources. And so yeah, and I, I think as since you are putting paid company time into it, it's sometimes it's nice to be able to have a more measurable impact and contributing to a project that has fewer contributors, I think is easier to do that with. Yeah, exactly. So that makes, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. And the other the other big news for me is that I am personally no longer reviewing every GitHub notification <laughs> on our <laughs> on our repositories because uh, I think that's a smart move, sir. Yeah, I'm guessing you don't do that either. I, I don't. Yeah. What did you stop doing? So I never actually used uh, the GitHub notification system. I don't know for whatever reason, just never liked it. But I always did it by email. So every issue, every pull request, every comment, et cetera, would come into my inbox. They still do, but I don't review them as much anymore. And I'm going to guess that uh, you have many of the same reasons. But one is there's not enough time in each day. Uh, and two, the the people that work with you, you trust them. Yes. Yeah, both of and those And so you don't, you don't need to be that overseer that's, line by lining every everything they do yeah i mean it's an experiment for me right now to see see how it goes it was really unnerving to to give up that control in in the beginning but i still look at the github notifications on github 
that I'm participating in. So there's like a participation filter. So if anybody at mentions me, it shows up as a notification in there. I pay attention to that only, but it's a you know, a small fraction of what it used to be, right? <laughs> I see the other notification totals like 40 issues that I haven't looked at. And then the participating is like six or something, you know? It's a lot less things for me to look at. Um, so I, I told the team that anything UI related, so any user interface elements that, that need to be flushed out or you need my opinion on, then just at mention me and I'll, I'll take a look kind of thing. So anyway, what have you been up to, man? Uh, the last two weeks have been a little busy getting first beta version of EDD 2.4 released. Uh, we pushed it out on Wednesday of last week, I believe. So it's been almost a week now. No, has been a week. It's been exactly a week. Uh, so we pushed it out on, on Wednesday or maybe Thursday morning last week. And we released it out and now we've just kind of been waiting for feedback on it. We've had a little bit of feedback from some early beta testers. And then mostly we've been testing it on our own sites. And so, so the Easy Digital Downloads website has been running the beta version for a week now. Uh, my personal pippinsplugins.com site's been running it for a week and we've been testing it, trying to break it, trying to see where things fail. Um, Where's the, what's the new stuff in 2.4? Uh, there's actually a lot of stuff. Uh, something I think we had about 74, 75 GitHub issues closed. Most of them being enhancements. Uh, this is one of the, f- the few major releases that we have that didn't have a lot of bug fixes in it. Maybe because we spent the last 10 point releases fixing those, but for what? It, but anyway, there's a couple of big ones. Uh, the first one is batch processing for exports, which I think we mentioned a little bit last time. Our CSV exports for customers, payment records, file downloads, et cetera, they now use a batch processing system for exporting the data. So before we did everything in one request, and if you had too much data, it would time out and you couldn't get it. Now we do it all in a, in a batch. So we send a numerous recru- requests until the export file is complete. And you can usually do 5, 10, 20, 30,000 records without a problem. Uh, so that was a, one big one that we we're definitely glad to have. Another one we added is earnings by category. So now you can go in and see a, a visual graph that shows how everything stack up in categories. So you can get a sales and earnings mix says, okay, this category is worth 20% of your earnings. This one is 50% of your earnings. This one is 10% of your earnings, et cetera. Right. Uh, so then, if you're running like a, a store, like a retail store that has like men's clothing, women's clothing, that kind of thing, you could break it you could see earnings per department kind of thing so you could very so if you had the categories for example say men's versus women you could very easily see okay what's our majority of our clientele is it men or women and then you could break it down however many categories that you have so that was a a one that's been on our to-do list for a long time that i'm really glad to have done the other big one is Amazon Payments. So we, we've integrated EDD with the Amazon Payments as well as their login and pay API. Uh, and we've added it directly to core. So most of the time when we introduce new payment gateway integrations, we do it through an add-on that's then either sold or given away. But this one has been added directly to core. So everybody gets it. And that one, as a customer, the process for using Amazon to pay for things is really awesome, especially if you're an Amazon user. I buy tons of stuff through Amazon. And so anything that I can purchase through Amazon, like in, like if I can use the Amazon, my Amazon account to purchase something, I'm gonna, it's a really nice, clean experience. Right. 
I, I thought about adding Amazon uh, as a, a payment option on our site because right now we just have basically credit card or Stripe and PayPal. So just two options. And I just feel like adding another option is just going to be, it's too much. Like <laughs> it's already, you know, two options is more than enough, I feel. like Right. You- I've, so we used to have three options. We used to have PayPal, credit card through Stripe and to checkout. And we disabled to checkout about four or five months ago for some other reasons. But I don't know if we never really had enough data to say for sure if three options was a problem. We had sales go through every option. And sometimes it's it's hard to to know because if you have a sale go through, well, you had a customer that clearly preferred to pay that way. What would be the advantage of using to checkout though as a customer? To like- checkout as a customer is actually a big one because there's a lot of countries in Africa that to checkout is one of the only options they have. Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. So you they can't pay through Stripe? A lot of the time because they don't have a debit card. Maybe they don't, either they don't have one, they don't have access to one, and they do not have access to a PayPal account. And so to checkout is their option because to checkout is of all payment processors has the widest reach of all of them. Wow. That's uh, it's, it's in, I think like every single country, but, but like a very, very small list. And okay. that small list is like North Korea. So if someone in Africa, uh, an African country, uh, was having trouble paying or they couldn't pay, how could they pay with two checkout? Do they have like, do they load up their two checkout account with cash from their bank or something? Like, how does that, work? uh, do you, do you know? I think that's how it works. Yeah. Okay. To be honest, I've never bought something through check to checkout. I've only ever used it as a merchant. Yeah, I've only ever, I thought it was just another kind of PayPal like system where you would just you just just enter your credit card. It's very similar to PayPal in that you can pay as a guest using a debit or credit card, uh, or you can I believe pay through your two checkout account. The other thing, and and I know that we had uh, when we had two checkout enabled, we had a few customers that had this issue where Stripe would not approve their debit card. It would just say declined every single time, but two checkout would accept it. <laughs> something to do with their validation process uh, would allow it. And every time these were always customers in either certain parts of Asia or Africa. Right. Huh. Crazy. Yeah. So we actually did, we have enabled uh, Amazon on the EDD website uh, and I'll probably enable it on my other sites as well. Partially at the moment right now, we're, I haven't decided if we're going to leave it. We have it on right now because we're trying to beta test it uh, ourselves but we'll see how much traction it gets from from our own customers. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'll, yeah. I'd like to know how how that goes. You'll have to give us an update. Uh, yeah, definitely. In a month or two. Yeah, the, the last thing was that I just after we did all that work with two point four, especially with the batch processing, I decided to go ahead and write a blog post about doing batch processing. Uh, it looks at two different methods of of processing one one that uses redirects and one that uses AJAX to send the request. Uh, so for anybody who's looking for uh, help with batch processing or is interested in it, in it, go take a look. All right. I think we wanted to do a quick follow-up. Brad, I know you've got some more information on this about responsive images that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah. What episode was that exactly? Uh, uh, you know, I cannot say off the top of my 39, head. 39, looks like. So episode uh, 39. Yep is the one we talked about in responsive images in depth, really. We talked about the RICG plugin uh, and and just how responsive images in WordPress might work. <laughs> 
it's really early days. Uh, that stuff uh, is what I'm finding out. But Morton Rand Hendrickson wrote a really, really great article about what he his vision of how responsive images could work in WordPress and how it would work. So if you switch themes, they would the responsive images would continue to work on, on a new theme. We'll link it up in the show notes, but yeah, I would recommend checking that out. Have you checked that out, Piven? Uh, not since we last talked about it. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat. But uh, anyways, should we get into Backpress? Yeah, let's dive into Backpress. So what is it, first of all? Backpress is, first of all, it's, a, it's an old project. Uh, it is not a- currently active, but uh, if anybody who's listening follows Twitter or is just generally active in stuff going on around the WordPress community, whether maybe you read Post Status or Divi Tavern, you've probably heard about some discussion about it recently. There are a couple of prominent develop- developers, primarily uh, John James Jacoby and Roy uh, Sivan, I hope I pronounced your name right. They started a discussion about reviving Backpress as a project. So Backpress is a PHP library of core functionality for web applications. So if you look at WordPress, WordPress has a huge library of functions and classes and things to help you build stuff. WordPress is also the content management system, the blogging system, and all of the other stuff. But if you kind of pull some of that stuff away, there's some foundational s- stuff that it provides. Database access, caching, HTTP request, helper functions, et cetera. That's what Backpress is without any of the UI is really the idea behind Backpress. Is that a reasonable summary? Yeah, no, I think that's right. And as far as I know, the only project uh, that uses it is GlotPress anymore. I know if you go to backpress.org, it says on the site that BBPress uses it, but uh, BBPress was rolled uh, as a, was transformed into a WordPress plugin, I don't know, a couple of years ago at least, it's probably five years ago by now. <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure that it's no longer using BackPress uh, to run. Definitely. Uh, I don't know why you would ever need WordPress core and Backpress together. That's So why don't we answer this question for people? Why would you use Backpress? Like, what is the purpose of it in a project? Well, I think it's supposed to be, so basically you don't want to use the UI, the WordPress UI. Um, you don't want to boot like a bunch of extra stuff uh, for each page load. I was talking to Marco, who's the, the lead developer of of uh, GlotPress, and he was saying that GlotPress is generally, on average, uh, a page load would be two megabytes of memory to get that page rendered. With WordPress, it's like twenty megabytes, right? And so that's that's one of the concerns is sure. is, is that it's extra extra memory, extra overhead. So, for anyone who's not familiar, it'd be like a foundation to build something on top of to provide you a, a starting point. So if you're familiar with uh, Laravel, for example, which is a PHP framework, that same kind of concept. Yes. Except now no longer maintained. And so that's where the discussion comes in of, hey, do we want to bring this back? Do we want to update it? Do we want to give us a new life? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, pretty much right now, it's pretty much dead, right? Because it hasn't been touched in so long. Um, So it seems to be just kind of 
you, you said it was an in- inactive project. I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> so I, I think I should probably mention, I, I've been mentioning GlotPress, but not defining what it is. <laughs> yeah, let's definitely so, give us an overview of what GlotPress is. I know that I had heard, I heard GlotPress, the term, the name used a lot, but it wasn't until maybe a year ago that I finally figured out what it actually is. So what is GlotPress? So GlotPress is just an app for translating. So you would load translation files into it as a developer, and then you invite translators to come to GlotPress, your GlotPress website uh, or your GlotPress app, and translate strings. So strings of, you know, translate this string into German, like from English to German or whatever. And then you you get you can suck all those translations out and put them into your WordPress plugin or or whatever you know whatever software you're building. Um, so that's basically what GlotPress is a translation tool is what it is. It's quite hard to install. <laughs> it requires backpress, so you need to to get backpress first and do a bunch of manual steps to to get. GlotPress set up and installed. That's basically what it is. Well, cool. So there was a lot of discussion about bringing BackPress, bringing it back, getting, giving it some new life. And there was also a lot of people kind of against it. Uh, we discussed briefly in our pre-show a couple of thoughts around it. So there's, I think there's two main thoughts with, with Glot. Okay, well, we'll say three with GlotPress. One, just let it die, just go away. It's 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 had its life and it's okay to let it just to, to slowly die out. There's nothing wrong with that. Two is turn it into a plugin that's installed in on a WordPress site and then removes the UI, does everything that Backpress does. But uh, and then three is bring it back to life. So yeah. where do, where do you stand on this? Probably one, yeah, number one. <laughs> uh, I guess if if those are the options. Any particular reasons? I just feel like you're basically forking WordPress, right? Like that's how it feels to me. Like because you're really maintaining like another copy of all the WordPress stuff that you decide to spin out of it. I mean, it's a fork, right? It's a fork and and a trim, right? Um, and I don't think that's healthy for for WordPress. Um, what about you? What do you What do you think? Well, I think there's merit to all of the the viewpoints. So, I think one of the one of the first arguments against reviving it is is kind of the the why question. What purpose does it serve that WordPress core as a framework does not already serve? And whether you agree or disagree that uh, WordPress core serves well as an application framework, I think it's a very it's a very I think it's a good question to ask yourself when looking at projects like this. I think there's some some merit to the idea of building a plugin that runs on top of WordPress. There's a lot of stuff that WordPress provides that somebody who's building a system on top of it, let's say you're building GlotPress on top of WordPress. You just don't need a lot of the stuff. So having a having a plugin that runs on top that removes a bunch of that extraneous fluff, we'll say, is great. And then three, looking at re- reviving it, I think there is a lot there's absolutely a place for projects like Backpress that are very similar to WordPress, but don't have all that fluff. And I don't mean fluff in a bad way. I just mean that when there are these, there are certain kinds of projects that just don't need a lot of the stuff that WordPress has. I like 
Marco, the lead developer of GlotPress, wrote a blog post about why I care what happens with Backpress, and we'll link it up in the notes. But I like what he's, there's a comment that he made that I really like, and I'm going to try and summarize it for you. But he basically says, look, if I am running a team or I'm a, if I'm going to hire somebody, I'm going to hire a, a WordPress developer. Now, if I build a new project on top of Backpress, and then I want to hire someone to work on that, all I need to do is hire a WordPress developer because they're already going to be familiar with how everything works. And I think there's some good merit to that. Sure. I guess my problem is also with it is also that, like, so if the root of the problem is, oh, there's all this extra stuff in WordPress uh, that's getting in the way of my application, then why not just figure out a way to make WordPress not run that fluff, you know, that extra overhead. It just seems to me like like it could be like WordPress WordPress could be modified to be a better application framework rather than saying, you know what, Bleh, let's just kind of like start from scratch or like I don't necessarily think that that forking WordPress and trimming away the fat is the solution to making a lean application framework that's based on WordPress. I think I think you can make WordPress an application framework, a better application work framework. And I feel like that's the better solution here. Yeah. And I know that one thing that a lot of people will come back and say uh, is REST API. Is That is where you provide a lot of that. Now, there there's some distinctions here that are important, but the REST API provides that access to all that information without the fluff. But it does not provide, uh, say, the PHP or the the other more... I guess lower level functionality that that would still that you'd be using WordPress to build on top of the PHP libraries, the the database access, et cetera. Right. Well, okay. So, like one of the arguments against you know um, building GlotPress as a, into a plugin for WordPress is that GlotPress is only has a two megabyte memory footprint right now, and versus WordPress having a twenty megabyte footprint, ten x right. But my question would be like, why? Why? Why does WordPress have to have? Why does why does WordPress have a 10x memory footprint? And could could it be rearchitected in a way where you know it could run a plugin like GlotPress and only have a two megabyte memory sure. footprint? It right, seems- by using BackPress as a plugin that gets rid of all the extra fluff. Well, no, not not necessarily. I just mean like maybe you could change WordPress, maybe there's some modifications that could be made to WordPress itself to make it so that it could run more lean than it sure. does. Sure. Right. I feel like that's a better solution than than going and forking WordPress, basically. So, I'll be honest and say, I don't know that I really have a lot of super strong opinions on it. I can, I think I can see the merits to to all sides on it. If it is something that you do feel strongly about one way or the other. Uh, I would definitely encourage you to to jump into the conversations that people are having. I know that everyone that's looking to revive Backpress or to kill it off, they are definitely looking for uh, people to help out in one way or another. Regardless of where it goes, I think it's a good discussion to have. If it means that we end up with this new application framework that is now brought back up to date, great. If it means that some of the fundamental issues that even give Backpress a reason to exist, get fixed in WordPress core, awesome. 
whatever it does, I think it's there's there's a, a positive turn regardless of where the discussion goes. Yeah, for sure. There is one other thing, and I think then we're probably about out of time that I uh, want to bring up real quick. Uh, there's a cool change going into uh, WordPress 4.3, uh, which if you've ever if you do much with featured images or also not just featured images, but uh, just images in general with custom post types. Uh, when you register a custom post type, you are now able to, with, with WordPress 4.3, you can now specify the text strings that are used when for like buttons say as set as featured image, choose featured image, upload image, et cetera. Those text strings can be changed. Uh, it's one of the cool changes coming in 4.3, along with a lot of other things. Oh, cool. I didn't realize you could change all those strings. I thought, because the, the ticket was really about the featured image string. Yeah. So it's, they, it's a total it. of it's four different strings. It's uh, the actual name of the featured image, the the phrase used for set featured image, the phrase used for remove featured image, and then use as featured image. So one ex- like the example that is used in the ticket, which is cool uh, or nice and simple, is that if you have if you like as a company, you're using a company logo. So so you're using the featured image as your logo. So you have this post type for companies. So you create these companies and you upload their logo as a featured image. You Instead of saying featured image, you can actually change all the, f- the phrasing to say company logo. And so now you can do this on a post by post type basis, um, making it very, very, a lot easier to customize the UI appropriately. So in, e- in easy digital downloads, for example, we're going to change it to say like set download image instead of set featured image because featured image doesn't mean anything for us. Right. That's cool. Nice little yeah. optimization. Uh, let's see. Anything else oh, before we, we jump wrap, out of here? Wrap it up. Cool. Well, if anybody has any feedback on Backpress or anything else, uh, let us know on Twitter, uh, on the site, in the comments, by email, however you want to reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. Definitely. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thanks for chiming in.